Um, just going to pray for us. Father God, I just thank you for everyone here. I thank you that we get to know new things about each other. Um, I thank you that you know every single thing about us, the funny things, the goofy things, the good things, the great things, and the bad things, and the things that we're ashamed of. Father, you know everything, and yet you still love us with such a great love. Um, Father, we just ask that you would come be with us today. It's Valentine's today, today, and we, well, yesterday it was, and it's Valentine's Sunday. We're kind of leading on from that, and we just want to look at your love today. We want to see you for who you are, and we want to see the love that you have for us, Lord. Um, come and reveal yourself into a new way today, Lord God. Speak to us through your word, through your bars, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we've been doing F64. We've been looking at the borrowers of the Bible, the guys like the prophets who use simile, use wordplay, who use rhyme scheme with a lot of what they said and a lot of their points to make them and get them across in an artistic way that people would remember them, that would take them to heart. They had amazing flow in poetry. Now, today, because it's Valentine's, the prophet that we're looking at, we've looked at him before, but there's some new things that I've seen about him that I didn't really know until this week, and that is we're looking at Hosea. Now, the reason we're going to look at Hosea is because actually within our um, society and our culture right now, I think this prophet speaks very, very clearly. Within our societies, we spoke last week, the way people um, view is there isn't even the question anymore, I don't think. I think it's actually beyond the question. I don't think the question is, does God exist? I think people don't come with a question. I think people come with a statement. And I think their statement is a God doesn't exist. So, for example, Nietzsche would say, um, God is dead. Richard Dawkins today, very famously with his book, says, God is a delusion. It's the God delusion. So they're statements. They're not questions. They're not exploring. They're not engaging. They're making statements. But I think they're asking a question in an area, not even asking, making a statement in an area, which is quite confusing. And the reason I say it's quite confusing is because it's only in this particular area does science become the relevant point of measurement. So science measures and tests everything. So science says um, if you can't measure it, you can't test it, then it's not interested in it, it rejects it, it has nothing to do with it. God is something you can't measure. They don't have a big enough ruler. They can't measure God, they can't test God, therefore for them God is redundant and rejected. But there's a problem with that. You can't apply that across society and you can't apply that across every area of your life. And here's why. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. And yesterday there was not one single media outlet, there wasn't one single TV show, there wasn't one single news station asking the question, does love exist? You cannot prove love, you can't measure love, you can't quantify love. You can sit here and talk to me about how you feel about a person. You can sit to me about acts of love. But you cannot prove love. But no one asks, does love exist? No one has a doubt about love. But they put the question mark over God. Now the Jesus intern formerly known as John said, God is love. Love can't be measured. God can't be measured. God is also not just described as love, but also in the realm of something called eternal. And within the Hebrew context and society, we think of eternity as this longevity, this period of time, and therefore it's like a ruler, a measuring stick that goes beyond anything we can grasp. But actually, eternity isn't just a length of time, it's a quality as well. And it's a quality beyond our comprehension. And God is something that's outside of that. Last week, there was this awesome article I saw online, um, which was in a new line of science challenging the very essence of the Big Bang, saying there was never a start, that everything was continuous, and that it was within itself, and it never had a beginning, and it's a new theory that's become popular, and if proven, will disprove the Big Bang theory, which is just really quite exciting. Now, I don't know whether that I I buy into that, because at the beginning of um, Genesis, you have a a start of a new heavens and a new earth, 
uh, or heavens and the earth being created, and in Revelation a new one being created. And so I think there is an actual start. But what it does start to prove and tap into is maybe a, a formula and a measurement for the fact that there can be things that don't have a beginning and an end. That if that formula can be true, then it says there are some things that don't start and don't end. And if so, there's something suggestive of that which is eternal, that is not here, that is other, that can exist within the confounds of science. And if so, that should bring up a a motion from a statement to a question. And the question being, again, does God exist? And so I think we live in a bit of an interesting moment. But ultimately with Hosea, it is all about displaying this eternal value called love and God displays love in a way that is different from you and I and so within our society interestingly no one is asking the question of love and so today we're going to be talking about and addressing love now the setting in Hosea is this is one day God speaks to his prophet and he says yo dude I want you to go to the red light district I want you to check out I want you to marry um, a prostitute I want you to take a prostitute to be your wife we go through the story he has children with her First child is called loved, everything's going great, smoothly. Second child is called no mercy, not loved, um, because the child, there's, there's problems in their marriage. The third child's name literally in Hebrew translates as not mine. She's been unfaithful, she's going off with other guys, she's taking the outfits that he's bought her, the sexy lingerie, the nice um, uh, jewellery, and she's using it, wearing it, perfumes, going getting other guys, and it's got really messed up. And so the kid is called not mine, because it's clearly not actually his child. And then she leaves him, and she goes back to her pimp. He's left devastated, he's left wrecked. And then Hosea has this moment, and we read in Hosea chapter 2, God talking to him, saying, Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. Plead with your mother, plead with her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. She put away... Um, she put away her whoring um, from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. Least I strip her naked. Least I reveal her for who she is, for what she is. And make her as in the day she was born. And make her like a wilderness. And make her like a parched land. And to kill her with thirst. Upon her children I will have no mercy. Talking about the other child. It's thrown like a linear pattern of love falling into a place of, of um, detachment. And not being his anymore. So it's following with the kids a story of like one actual person. Like Israel flowing through a picture. For she said, I will go after my lovers who will give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink. Therefore I will hedge her up, hedge up her way with thorns. I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her path. So she shall pursue her lovers but never catch and never be satisfied. She shall seek them but not find them. And then she will say, I will go and return to my first love. For it is better for me then than now. And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine and the oil and lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season. I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her. I will show her for who she is in the sight of her lovers. And no one shall rescue her out of my hand. I will put an end to all her mirth, her feasts, her new moons, her sabbaths, and all her appointed feasts. And I will lay waste, I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages which my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall devour them. And I will punish her for the feast days of bowels, when she burnt offerings to them, and adorned herself with ring and jewelry, and went for her lovers, and forgot me, declares the Lord. Um, 
Therefore, I will allure her and bring her into a wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make her um, a valley, a place of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth and at the time when she comes out of the land of Egypt. And so God is kind of saying like, this is where it's at. This is what's happened. This is what's gone down. We're now in this place where I'm kind of telling you, Israel, how things have been, why you're in the place you're in. This is how it was between us. Back in the days of Egypt, we were called, we were lovers, Mount Sinai. I said, I'll be your God. You'll be my people, like a marriage relationship. Then after that, you went off and you've gone this separate way. You've been following after this, this God, Baal, is what it says here. And then right now, it's leading up to a key, key, key verse, verse 16 of chapter 2, which I had never, ever really noticed before. And this is one of the greatest word plays I've ever seen in the Hebrew language, what he's about to say here. And he says, And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will call me my bow. For I will remove the names of Baal from her mouth, and they shall not be remembered by her no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day, with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow and the sword and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Now here is where the bar is. Here is the bar. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and will no longer call me my bow. That that literally in their language is like one of the hardest bars, word plays you could ever, ever drop. Because in Hebrew, my husband and my Baal sound the same. They sound the same. There's a rhyme. It's like saying two things in a rap that sound exactly the same, but are completely different. So in their language, if you pronounce the two, it's hard to distinguish and hear which one they're saying. And the reason why that wordplay is even more genius than it already is, just on the grounds of what I've said there, within their society and their context, they've come to a place where they started to call God, as in like Jehovah, Yahweh, they started to call him Baal. They didn't just worship the other gods. They like blended them together like a flipping nutritional drink. They juiced them together. And they put them there and they started to call him that interchangeably. Now, if you think about this in the context of Hosea, you will get why this is such a powerful and hurtful thing for God. You see, God loves us with such a great sacrificial love. And we're talking about like a husband and a wife here, prophet Hosea and Goma, his wife. And what we're talking about is we're talking about a level of intimacy where one night I'm in bed with my wife Jody, and we're getting bow chicka bow wow, bow chicka bow bow and some other guy's name is getting said again and again and again. And she's coming home and she's calling me that. And I'm putting food on the table and she's calling me that. I'm giving her all the things that he says that have been lavished on her and you're calling me that. Well, he says there's a time coming when you're not going to call me that anymore. You're going to call me my husband. 
and you're going to come back to me and you're going to see that all along it wasn't the confusion of the merger of the two that he was giving these things to you. I was the one who gave you this all along and he was just taking and I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to do this thing. And so when he says this bar for you and I when we read this in English, it's not at all exciting. But for the guys in the days when Hosea is saying this and the people in Israel are hearing, they're like, jeez, how did he do that? He didn't just do that. Oh, my dad. Oh, yeah, we have done that. We do call him that. We don't distinguish between the two anymore. We've merged them together. And he's saying, no more. You will forget that. You will remember this. And he says, and in that day, I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain and the wine and the oil. And they shall answer Jezreel. And that is the name of the first one, loved. And I will sow for her myself in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, not mine, you are my people. <laughs> so he takes the names of these kids and he starts putting them in his bars. And so other battle rappers, what they'll do is they'll throw people's names in and they will disseminate them. They will tear them apart. He takes the names of these people and he starts to bring everyone in the nation back together. He starts calling people back. He starts saying, I will love you like I loved you. And those who I haven't loved and had no mercy upon because of what's happened before, I'm going to show mercy to you again. And those of you who are not my people, oh, you will be my people. And he said, and they shall say, you are my God. And the Lord said to me, Go again and love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. I love that. That's one of the funniest things, man. I spent so long trying to find out about this cakes and raisins. I was like, have I been screwing God over all these years? Like, I remember back in Elim, like, I used to sit on the back row of the church around there, and my mum would have me these little box of raisins. I was like, no, I have angered God my whole life. No, it's like, um, yeah, they did this weird feasting that was um, to do with, with Bao and he's also putting it out there just like not just the seductive nature of the sexual side but as in like is Bao going to still be there kind of luring you with his raisins and his cakes it's kind of humorous God's kind of being funny but kind of serious and vexed at the same time so it's kind of intermingled and woven in there but as I looked at that you can hear this beautiful picture and God doesn't just talk about it as a separate thing where it's him and us He shows us it mirrored in Hosea and in his story and in his life. And then he calls us back into the equation. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The people of Israel, when Hosea was saying this, were ready to kill him because he was guilty. They were ready to kill him because of the lifestyle he was living. They were ready to reject him as a prophet because of what he was doing. And he stands up here. And as he's saying this to Israel, he's basically saying what you are accusing me of is actually what you are in essence. And you are not his people, but he's calling you back to be my people. And that is what God is saying to us today. And that is the love that he has for us today. And it is a love that goes beyond our faithfulness and beyond our means. It transcends our understanding. It transcends space and time. It is eternal in its longevity, his love for us, and in the quality of his love for us. And so no one is asking the question, does love exist? But the reason why no one should be asking that question isn't for the reason they are, because they've never thought to question it because it cannot be measured, but they shouldn't be questioning it because they should see the love of God flowing through you and I that they cannot question it. They cannot question it. At the moment, the atmosphere towards 
anyone embracing a faith. I even had it this week again. Not just last week. I've had it again this week where as soon as someone knew I was starting to do a church, they were like, bang, don't want anything to do with you. Don't even want to know you. It was just like, wow. just comes out like that. But it's because we're known for something. We're not known for who we should be known for. If we were known for the kind of a love like this, where we don't, we look at people and we don't go, are you in my tribe? Are you like me? Do you have my values? I will love you. But we say, I don't even care what you're about. I love you with a love that is eternal, longevity in its quality, and it is real, and it is tangible. And you will see it not just in the words I say, but in the actions I give. And that is what God calls us to be. He calls us to be like him. He doesn't look at them and go, if you believe this creed, I'm going to love you and bring you back. Because I'm going to love you and bring you back. And it's your choice whether you believe and accept what I've done for you. And that is who we need to be as people. We need to be people that love, regardless of whether people accept and embrace what we say and our ideals and the way that we are. I'm going to pray for us today and um, wrap up. Lord, we've talked a lot about love. We've talked about a love that you've displayed. The greatest love you have displayed to us is really found in the cross of Christ, um, which is all about what you said, which is no greater love has a man than this than the one who gives his life to prove. You have given your life freely for us. We pray that you would empower us, encourage us with your love that you express towards us, to express it towards others, that we would be people displaying the greatest, most wonderful value there is. Your love, God. You have said in your word, your love never fails. Your love melts the hardest of hearts. Your love conquers all. Your love remains. Without your love, we are nothing. And we just ask this week would be a week where you fill us and overwhelm us with your love, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.